Renee is Mary's mom. And uh, <laughs> so we have her to thank in many ways for a lot of the awesome music we get to experience here on a weekly basis. Uh, Mary's dad, Mike, is um, bringing God's word to us this morning. Mike Higgins is uh, Dean of Students at Covenant Seminary. He is pastor of South City Church here in St. Louis. He is an army chaplain. He uh, um, is a native of St. Louis who's returned here to St. Louis back, was it 2011, pastor? Something like that. After being gone for uh, many years. So this is a, a real treat for us. The Higgins family, in case you are not aware, is a substantial force for the gospel here in St. Louis. Um, and uh, so we are blessed to have um, Mike here this morning to proclaim God's word for us. I think the most significant thing you could know about Mike is that he is a loving husband to Renee for almost 38 years and, um, and a great father to Mary and her sister Michelle. And he's a man of God, and, and he's here to proclaim the word of God for us this morning. So I want to um, invite you to welcome Mike as we are blessed to have him um, preach for us this morning. With that being said, I want to invite uh, Miss Renee to uh, read God's word for us this morning. Tell me. You who desire to be under the law, do you listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac and the children are promised. But just at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. The word of the Lord. I just love the sound of her voice. I tell you, man. Ah. When Eric said Renee and I had been married almost 38 years, the first thing that hit me was, that poor woman, oh, God. <laughs> Man, if this was the Catholic Church, she would be, I don't know, what do you call that, Satanized or whatever they do to you. Yeah, be her and, you know, Mother Teresa and all them folks. So, But, uh, hey, man, let me pray for us. And then, uh, Father, thank you so much for this church. 
Thank you, Lord, for every person that is here. Father, we thank you that he that knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that God could show his righteousness that he is a God who hates sin and loves sinners, that he is a God that's so holy the angels in heaven sing one song with only three words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, we ask that you would help us to know that because of who you are, Lord, we actually have hope because you are our only hope and you're the only hope we need. And we just thank you and praise you for your word because it says you sent your word and you healed them. Lord, heal today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, yeah, I'll just give you a little bit of my testimony since some of y'all, most of y'all don't know me. Uh, I'm so glad for Mary and my other daughter, Michelle, even though Mary's less of a troublemaker than Michelle. Uh, a lot of y'all know about Michelle, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I just thank God that, they, uh, that the Lord loaned them to us and loaned them to you and to the church. Uh, so I was born with Tourette syndrome, which is something that actually uh, it, most of you have heard of it. It basically means that uh, when I go to church, uh, that's like one of the worstest times in my life. And I've been a pastor for like 33 years because in church you're supposed to, you know, you, you know, it depends on where you are. I mean, you, you know, but it's sometimes you want to be still. And, you know, so Eric's slow songs really just drive me crazy, even though they're good songs. I mean, Blessed Quietness is a good song. I mean, but I'm sitting there, you know, and the monkeys inside my body, they want to play. And for some reason, Jesus left the monkeys in here, you know, the dopamine and the adrenaline and stuff. So, but this text is talking about uh, the difference between the spirit and the flesh strategies of men and women uh, and things that are done in faith. Uh, not far from here, because I grew up in North St. Louis, about three miles north of Del Mar, you know, the Del Mar Divide. So I grew up in North St. Louis, and so one day I was 22 years old, and me and some friends were actually trying to break into a place that stored uh, cases of liquor. And we were going to break in, get some of the liquor out, and... We were going to, a guy was going to fence it, going to pay us and then charge liquor stores more. So, but our job was to, at 2 o'clock in the morning, when the whole world is sleeping over on Maffin and Van de Vanner, uh, we're going to take a sledgehammer and we're going to just keep working on this uh, master lock. And we're banging this thing. I mean, you know, we're 22 and we're not a whole lot of sense between us. Uh, we're just bam, bam. You know, the, the lock won't come off. And now, sitting across the street over what was in Athena Station, uh, that was a uh, Fifth District St. Louis cop. And he's just sitting there, I guess, finishing his coffee and his donut or whatever. He's sitting there and he's watching this fiasco, just bam. And he, and just, and so eventually, uh, he turned on his whoopee lights and came across the alley. And let me sh tell you how the St. Louis PD 
uh, ran me from the slavery of sin into the freedom of Jesus. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I say that because a lot of folks think I'm anti-police. I just don't want to be manhandled when I get locked up. That's all I'm asking. So I'm not anti-police. So, so the, the uh, so, and I'm, I want to say this to some of you brothers and sisters who are thinking, I wonder if I could do something and get away with it. Okay. Can I pastor your church just for like 30 minutes? Okay, because we're both pastors, and so I'm y'all's pastor because I got the microphone. So... <laughs> So, so this is how it works. If you think about doing something wrong, something illegal, if there's 100 people with you and there's only one cop to come after you or the other 100 people, I can guarantee you, by the grace of God, they're coming behind you because God is trying to send you a message. So here it is. So we're running. We run three different directions. I run behind my house. And there's a, there's a big dumpster out there. So I actually lift the dumpster, dive into the dumpster with the garbage, and the St. Louis police went straight on by. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, I truly believe that Jesus spoke to me. Just young black kid running from the police in the dumpster, Jesus wasn't in the cop car. He wasn't in the sledgehammer. He wasn't in that. Jesus actually went through the garbage to set me free. Now, some folks hear that and they say, man, that's a powerful metaphor. I'm like, no, it's not a metaphor. I actually was in the garbage. Yeah. Man, woo, these metaphors. How long did it take you to come up? I said, no, it didn't take me long to come up with it in about a second. And I tell you why, because I knew that a lot of people who were Christians, I was not a Christian then, but a lot of people who were Christians, they always said, Mike, we're praying for you. My grandmother prayed for me. You know, there's a song that says, somebody prayed for me, kept me on their mind, took some time and prayed for me. I'm so glad. That's right, Mama Jesse. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. And I got out of that dumpster. And the only thing on my mind, and that's why I know that God has an elect and an irresistible call. The only thing on my mind was not, whew, I don't have to go to jail. My thing was, I got to find Jesus. I thought I had to find him, but he had found me. And then he said, I want you to respond by looking for me. I went to a storefront Pentecostal church, 1020 North Taylor, and let me tell you, I was a college student then. I had, and I was in fraternities and stuff, but this was the loudest place I've ever been in my life. <laughs> folks was running, folks was shouting, they was, the, the, the ladies had fallen out, they was putting the, the, the cloth on their legs, you know, so they wouldn't, you know. Uh, and at the end of the guy's preaching, it was Acts chapter 9. I never will forget. It was the only time I actually went to church on my own. He talked about a guy, Saul of Tarsus, who was basically like ISIS to the, to, to the, to the church. He was killing people. He was actually killing people because folk were saying, this guy, Jesus, is God. And Paul was saying, you know, well, first of all, he's from Nazareth. That's like East St. Louis. 
Can't nothing good come out of there. That's like south uh, side of Chicago. That's like the north side of St. Louis. Look, this Jesus of Nazareth, he is such a nothing. He is such a nobody. And you guys are heretics and you're blasphemers and you deserve to die. Because nobody says you can't speak about God in terms that low. And brothers and sisters, the word Jehovah actually translates into he that comes down to help you. There is no further condescension than for God to leave his throne and become a human being. He couldn't get no lower than that. And he still upheld the standard of what Adam and Eve were supposed to be. So the gospel comes into our lives not to help us be God, but to help us be the humans, to be in God's image. That's what that whole trash can was all about. Trash goes into the trash can, not people of the Imago Day who bear the image of God. And some of you right now may feel like, well, I feel like I'm in the garbage. And if that's how you feel right now and you know Jesus is the answer, I'm glad you feel that way. Because some people don't know that their life is full of garbage. And they actually think that God hates them. And that's the reason that they're in the garbage. Or, yeah, I shouldn't have committed that sin. I should have left that dude alone. I don't know why I did that. Do you know there's nothing else anybody can do to make God love you any more than he does right now? Sarah and Hagar. And Renee told me I should use the, the t text or the title, The Good Wife. I just do what she tells me because she's a good wife, you know. So Paul says to the Galatians, and I know my brother Eric, and I want to say something about Eric Stiller. When I got back to St. Louis, he was the first white dude to come into my office and talk to me about race and justice and reconciliation. I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> he looked so intense, though. And, you know, the more I talked, the closer he moved in, you know. And when black folk and white folk talk race, you know, there's usually getting a little distance there. He, he's moving closer. That's how I knew Eric was going to be a good pastor. Because if he wasn't, I definitely wouldn't have one of my daughters here. Uh, she loves her pastor. So in 2009, there was a television show that came out called The Good Wife. Alicia Florrick was humiliated by her husband Peter's sex scandal. He was Cook County State's attorney. Uh, and Alicia, uh, played by, uh, was it Juliana Margulis? Margulis um, total humiliation, embarrassment. But what does she do? Because she has some legal training, she becomes a defense attorney. Uh, and she took her life back. Uh, she got past the humiliation, the embarrassment of her husband's sex scandal, and uh, got really good at what she was doing, got past that disappointment, and she actually became a little bit obsessed with power, independence. 
have my own way. And then you have Sarai. Believe me, I'm not going to leave the men out. But you have Sarai. God shows up, makes a promise. You're going to have a son. They're already, you know, older folks. Uh, son hasn't come yet. You know, folks are kind of in their, you know, they're getting in their 80s. No son. It is something that when God gives you a promise and it just seems like he forgot all about you. You know, I mean, and then everybody in this room, you guys look extremely smart, gifted, talented, and I know you are. Uh, but brothers and sisters, there's no human strategy that we can come up with that is better than a strategy based on faith. Now, that doesn't mean churches don't have visions mission statements, and stuff like that. It just means that if you're not praying for your leaders, uh, they're going to come up with something that actually they can't even remember what they said. Because when I first started pastoring in Atlanta and when I got to South City, I said, so what's the vision of the church? My ruling elders, it was so long. I said, hey, why don't we just call ourselves Uncommon Family? In the city, united by the gospel. I mean, that is why we're here. I mean, it's got to be something that has to do with the gospel of Jesus. And it's not just, we're not just here for the church, but we're here for the city. I mean, yeah, what I, do I want everybody in the city to be a Christian? Yes. Is everybody Christian? No. But does that mean that the church does not impact speaking truth to power when people who are not Christians may be Muslims, may be refugees? I, I don't care. If you are a human being, that's what the church should care about. Because all of us who are Christians, uh, believe me, there's only two kinds of folk. According to this text, you're a, you're, you're a son of Hagar or a son of Sarai. You're either going to fall into the Ishmael or the Isaac category. One is of the flesh. One is of the spirit and promise. So what does Sarai do? Because she's not Sarah yet. She takes a woman who is an Egyptian. They'll see the Egyptians later on in this. But it is an Egyptian slave woman and gives her to her husband, and you know what? It works. She's a fertile Egyptian woman. It works. There's a child. And it just looks like, well, that's probably what God wanted. Because, you know, when, we, when our strategies work, you know, uh, and, but that's not what God wanted. Because it was not God keeping his promise, it was actually human strategy actually helping God. You know, God actually doesn't need any help. I mean, now, do we work alongside of the Lord in the vineyard? But the reason that we help or have ministries is because it is, it is a privilege to work for him. And the Apostle Paul tells the Philippians, it's actually a privilege to suffer. You know, I don't know, I've, I've never thought about suffering 
being privileged. But the thing is, a part of being in the family of God, uh, what we do, if it's not a faith, it usually shows itself in a few years that it was just it was just hip. You know, faith things stand. Hip stuff kind of goes and comes. It's like a lot of folk who think they're hip today. I say, you know what? In two years, you're going to be out of style. <laughs> Don't blame me. It's the Internet, <laughs> you know. So we've got Paul saying this text between these two women is like an allegory. And an allegory is basically it's a story of a picture that has a hidden meaning. But when you see the meaning, it becomes obvious that that was always there. So we have one woman who is representing Sinai and one who is representing uh, a Jerusalem that is a Jerusalem that is a free Jerusalem. So it's, it's, it's kind of like you have a city that can actually one city representing two different nations. I mean, you can have that even in a city like St. Louis. It depends on where you grew up in St. Louis, what St. Louis represents to you. Uh, and so what Paul is saying is what happened with Abraham and Hagar produced a son, but that was not what God wanted because that was basically... Fertility, sperm, egg coming together, and that's, that's, it happened. But he's saying that what we're looking for is a child that has come because of the promise of God. Because the Apostle Paul even says, I want to say he says it in, in, in Romans 9. Okay. Not everybody who is naturally Israel, meaning you can trace your bloodline back to Israel, and you may be able to say, well, I'm Israeli. But what Paul is saying is we don't trace our bloodline. We're tracing our faith line. Because even though Hagar is Egyptian, I was in Beirut last year working at a seminary in Beirut, Lebanon. I met a ton of Egyptian Christians who are suffering because they believe in this so-called Jewish God. So this is not saying that, well, you know, Hagar was, she was mean because she was a slave and, you know, her son Ishmael persecuted little Isaac and Ishmael was 17 and Isaac was just three years old. No, what, what Paul is trying to say is that you and I, we represent a family that has actually come out and birthed out by a gospel that calls on us to have faith, a faith that God gave us so that we can be called uncommon family. You guys are my family. Let me tell you something. Now, I pastor South City Church, 
and these ladies on the front row have been there. Eric's been there. Uh, it's about 75 to 80% white. I grew up in the hood over in North St. Louis. And I started off in the Black Pentecostal movement, Church of God in Christ. I actually, before I got to Covenant Seminary, to get a master's in divinity, I had already been ordained for 12 years in the Black Pentecostal movement. Uh, and so now I've been in the Presbyterian Church in America for 20 years, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, this is doable. I mean, I can do South City Church. I mean, I was in the Army for 30 years. I mean, hey, I, I've always worked with different colors of soldiers and different genders of soldiers. I even had transgendered soldiers. It's like, hey, can you shoot? I mean, it's just, I've, I've, yeah, yeah, so it's no big deal. But let me tell you what happened four weeks ago. Y'all know what a session meeting is? The elders get together and, you know, I walked out of a session meeting. I walked out here. I never walked out of a session meeting in my life. I mean, I'm the moderator. I just walked out. I'm the, I'm the only black guy in the room, and we're starting talking about some race justice issues and Michelle. <laughs> so I'm, I'm the only. So I just, I, just, I just told Jesus, no, I'm not doing this. I've given it the old college try. I mean, hey, I mean, Lord, you know, I didn't really ask to leave where I was at. I was fine. Uh, I'm packing up my little bag and stuff. And so one of my ruling elders said, Mike, are you leaving? I said, I'm leaving because y'all got this. Let me tell you what happens with this uncommon family thing and, and it not being just, okay, so uh, because at, at our family reunion, it ain't just black people. Because of this whole family of faith, it's, it's us. But I was, I mean, Miss Jesse, I just, let me tell you, I just said, okay, I'm a black man. And I mean, I was doing, you know, I'm a black man. I'm just tired of, I, I sat in my car. It was hot. I just, you know, and I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm I'm leaving. Don't, don't. I mean, I'm just tired. You know, I'm, I sat in my car, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, you know, so what are we going to do? And see, that's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He never distances himself from helping you. He doesn't say, you know what? I didn't tell you to say that in that meeting. Dude, you have to fix that. Do that. You got to fix that. The Holy Spirit, because he is our comforter, because he is God. I tell people, don't think that the Holy Spirit is like God light, God diet, God extra crispy. He's God. So I got God in the, not only in the car, but I got God inside of me. And them brothers got God in them. But the Holy Spirit says, so what are we going to do? Because it's hot in this car. Now, Eric, I could have just turned the car on because, I mean, it's a new car. It's got AC. I mean, why couldn't I turn that car on? I mean, I don't even have to turn the key. It's just if the, if the keys are within like five feet of the car, I just 
put my foot on the brake and push the button. How hard could it be? I got out of that car. You know why I got out of that car? Because one of my white ruling elders was late. And I saw him coming up the way. And the Holy Spirit said, that was one of your brothers right there. Why don't you walk back in with him? Now, we live in a city that is segregated. And you're near one of the most segregated streets in the entire universe, Delmar. And it would be just so easy for me to say, well, you know what? I just need to go back north to Delmar. I don't have no business in South City anyway. But the Holy Spirit says, you know what? We're not children of Hagar. We're children of Sarah. Now, ladies, this is a part where y'all are supposed to say, God, that guy's a great preacher. It does not matter. I'm going to say this. Brothers, I, I, I love y'all. I love y'all too. The point of this text is not who your father is. It's who your mother is. Because Abraham was both of the boy's father. But the point of this text is not so much him, it's the hers. I went back into that session meeting. We picked up where we left off. They said, Mike, brother, we, you know, we don't know sometime and we'll just have probably just drugged you kind of batty. I said, but you know what? It was good for me to walk out because I think that takes us to a place, another dimension, another level that we need to be. And I'm so tired as a pastor trying to prove to everybody I'm Superman because I can't stand to fly. I get tired of trying to fly. I, brothers, I can't fly. Let me just tell you, like that song from 03, I'm only a man, and this is just a red sheet. I don't have no powers. I'm just like you. And there's other days when I wish as a pastor that I, I just worked at McDonald's. You just drop the fries when the bell goes off. You pull them up and put salt on them. Uh, I would make a whole lot less more money, but it just looks easy. Give me my paper hat. I'm good. When we think we need to take confidence in our own bloodline or our own training or our own race or our own culture, and it's nothing wrong with, I, I love being a black man. I love it. I mean, there are days when I'm like, okay, I really hate it, but usually I love it. It gives me an opportunity to serve in ways I probably wouldn't be able to. But there's nothing wrong with you being white or Latino, or Asian. There's nothing wrong with that, because you can't control. If you had a choice of colors, which is a song by Curtis Mayfield in 1969, which, which color would you choose? If you could actually go back and pick what color, which is ridiculous anyway, because nobody's actually really red, yellow, black, or white, but if you had a choice, what would you choose? You probably picked the wrong one. That's why somebody else picked it for you. Paul says this in Philippians 3, 4, 
whenever folks say, well, you know what? I think I'm better than these clowns over here, and I tell you why. And if you don't, let me, and so this is what Paul says, and most of you have heard this, Philippians 3, 4, uh, 4b through 9. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, he says, I have more. So if we're just going to start doing, let me, let me tell you, y'all don't really know who, who you're talking to. <laughs> I just look like poor blind, can't really speak in public good, Apostle Paul. But let me tell you who I am. Have you ever felt like you just want to stop everybody and say, let me tell you who I am? Because the humility thing is killing me. I just, can, can I just get like 30 seconds to tell y'all who I really am. Paul said, let me tell you, if, if, if I was telling folk who I really am, he says, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day, which is what was commanded, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, which can be said, the, the two of the good tribes, Judah and Benjamin, even though they got swept away too, it wasn't that bad. Uh, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, which probably meant that he actually could speak Hebrew. He says, as unto the law, a Pharisee. I mean, I, I, I was blameless. He says here, uh, as to zeal, I persecuted the church. Man, don't tell me about folks being on fire for Yahweh. He said, Ben Laden be scared of me. He says here, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He said, but what, whatever, and this is the hard part. Whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, and, and, and you know, folks argue, well, who's got privilege? Where Paul said, man, I had privilege. I had it. It don't get no better. I mean, he said, but for the sake of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I counted all laws. For Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Remember the first verse here? So y'all want to keep the law? Do you actually know what the law says? I mean, do you actually know what it says? Paul really wanted them to understand that this is a grace message. The reason, and it's not so much that Gentile lives matter to Paul, but Gentile lives matter to God. You know when, and I'm sure Eric preached about it, I'm going to be through, when Paul, when, when, when Paul challenged uh, Peter because he had distanced himself, Peter had distanced himself from the Gentiles when the folks came from Jerusalem, from James, he acted like he didn't eat pork chops, <laughs> neck bones, you know, rib tips. Like he was just, he was just got a pork steak the other day. So, I mean, but when the, when the really, really, really folks came down, he actually dishonored the folk who came from James by distancing himself from the Gentile. And you know, and what did Paul do? Paul said, well, you know, you are an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
and you were on the Mount of Transfiguration. They tell me you even walked on water. Uh, I mean, they say you preached a dynamite sermon in Acts chapter 2. Man, you, st wow, I mean, you are Peter. So the fact that it's, that some people have privilege with Jesus and others don't, I guess that's just how life is. Paul rebuked him. And he didn't say, oh, you ain't really an apostle. No, you're an apostle. Brothers and sisters, if people have to say no to what you're doing or how you're doing it, that doesn't mean that you're not who the Bible says you are. You are children of the king. You're still their father. I mean, I got daughters who have passion about stuff. So when they say, Dad, I don't know if that's, yeah, yeah, no, that's not right, Dad. I'm not going to go into a corner and say, oh, I, w I, th I thought I was somebody's father. I guess I'm nobody's father now. No, Paul said, dude, <laughs> I'm not so much saying you're Peter, but I'm saying that's Jesus. And you know why Peter backed down? Because in a guy who terrorized the church, who had no right to be telling nobody nothing about salvation and grace and redemption, Paul had no right. And that's the point of the gospel. None of us have a right. None of us have a right. That's what grace is. It's unmerited favor. I don't know if you all saw that that documentary, and I'm going to turn this over to Eric. Michelle and I got arrested downtown at the federal building. We got arrested down there because we went down there because there were some things, and it, it was applying to St. Louis and the counties and stuff like that. And so I basically just went down there uh, to... Just say, hey, uh, where, can we talk to the district attorney of uh, eastern Missouri? And we're down at the Tom Eagleton building, a great big tall federal building. And uh, so the federal marshals came out, and it was, I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty cordial. Uh, and then St. Louis PD came out, and it was like a lot of them folks. So, uh, and so they said if we didn't move, they was going to pepper spray us and tase us and stuff like that. And uh, I looked at the St. Louis Police Department guys, and I said, you know, we're all pastors. Um, and we just actually are down here because sometimes we feel the need. Uh, we're all priests in the church. We take care of the church. We actually want to be priestly all the time. But sometimes there's a need to be prophetic and speak truth to power. Uh, and I said, to be honest with you, you would not realize it from looking at us, but you guys in uniform and us in the collars and the stoves and the robes, we're really on the same side. Because you guys want to protect and serve, that's the same thing we want to do. We just do it in a different way. And uh, I told one guy I loved him. He was crying. I had tears in my eyes because I knew that something was getting ready to go down. But it, So we decided... We're just going to sit on the ground because we're not moving from this spot. But there ain't going to be no fighting and no kicking and no cussing out the police and all that. I mean, my brother is a St. Louis City prosecutor, uh, uh, and it kind of drives him up the wall sometime, too. But uh, 
So we sat on the ground and they, you know, put the plastic handcuffs on us, arrested us, and took us in. Uh, and all we wanted to do was to say, look, if you're going to write a report where policing has been bad and poor people, no matter what color they are, poor people, uh, we need better court practices. We're just saying we're down here to irritate you. That's what Martin Luther King would say sometimes. We're just irritants. We're ragamuffins. We're a bunch of nobodies. But you're going to get tired of us, and you're going to make you're going to move. You're going you're going to you're going to make some movement. Uh, and so I remember when they searched me, they went through my pockets, and they pull out everything. I mean, they they you know I'd never been in federal lockup before, so this was all new. You know, I'm up against the wall, and one guy says, uh, "So is Michelle Higgins related to you?" I said, "Well, yeah." They said, "Oh, we got Bonnie and Clyde." I said, "Well, she's not my 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 wife, my daughter." Uh, so they, they, they take everything, and, and my military ID fell out of my pocket. And the federal marshal, you know, because a lot of those guys are like military guys too, uh, so he said, Colonel, he said, what are you doing down here? And I kind of had a pause moment. I said, I know as a full colonel, I don't have to come down to stuff like this. Heck, I've already got mine. I, I just told him, I said, well, brother, I tell you, I said, I think we can do better. I said, those people out there, a lot of people out there, they matter. You know, it wasn't exactly Gentile lives matter or black lives matter, but it's like I'm here because those people matter. And it was my 36th wedding anniversary that day. <laughs> but a good wife <laughs> will tell you that sometimes you may miss an anniversary doing something that she believes that is more important and that actually just meant that I was going to have to spend more money at Macy's. And so now, Eric, you, you've got it, bro. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.